Well, good morning. Just in case you don't know, that's Nate McCartney. He was uh, leading the worship today. And my name is Philip Brand. And if you're visiting for the first time, I'm the pastor here. And so uh, we're having some technical difficulties with the table a little bit. Yeah, technical difficulties. We have our maintenance um, slash worship leader on the scene to help with this. So, yeah. He's not really the maintenance worker. That was a case you. Oh, he's on staff. He's the maintenance worker. You, you'll, they'll start coming up to you to say, "Hey, the toilet at the needs fixing." You know, let's get a mop. Yeah, Patrick, it's good to see you. Yeah, anything going on in your family? Like your wife was here at the first service. Now you're here at this one. Do y'all need counseling? Actually, they have a dog, and the dog is the reason, right, that they're not. So there's nothing going on with that. I'm just messing with him. Yeah. The dog whines in his crate. Yeah. He's a lucky bit that I say, get over it. (laughs) I'm a dog lover. (laughs) Yeah. What kind of dog is it? It's a Labrador? Does he retrieve or is it just a Labrador? He retrieves too? Okay, just, just trying to figure all that out. Yeah. Do what? It's a lab. Yeah, it's a lab. Yeah. He does scientific testing. The jokes can just keep going because I'm a dad <clears throat> all day long. Yeah. Well, um, a, a couple of weeks ago, um, I, was, I was sick. I was probably a month ago now. And as I told you, I watched Duck Dynasty. While I was sick, because there's a free TV station on Amazon where you can just watch Duck Dynasty. And so I've been enamored with Duck Dynasty ever since then and been watching all kinds of stuff, even stuff I've seen before. And I ran across this program I'd never seen before, thought it was new, but it's probably a couple years old. But it's called Going Cyril. And it's Cy Robertson. And what he does is he looks at videos on YouTube and he comments on them. Like, and, and it is absolutely hilarious. So if you haven't seen that, how many of you like Duck Dynasty? Yeah, okay, yeah. So fans, if you go look that up, it, it's pretty incredible. That, that TV show is pretty incredible. But when I was watching, <clears throat> as I've been watching this, there's one show where uh, Cy Robertson kept saying, I have a number one rule. And so he starts the show like five minutes in saying, this is my number one rule. And then about five minutes later, he says, this is my number one rule, and it's different than the first number one rule. And then the third one, like a little bit later in the show, he goes, this is my number one rule, and it's different than the first and second rule. Like he keeps changing it. It's like five times that he changes it during the, during the program. They're camping, right? They're camping. And, uh, and so it's, it's kind of funny. And so um, that reminded me a little bit of a guy I used to work with. His name was Tim Carpenter. He led worship at Center Grove Baptist Church. And he would come out on stage to lead worship, and he would get to a hymn, and he would say, oh, this is my favorite hymn. And then the next week, he would say, guys, this is really my favorite hymn. And it was a different hymn than the week before, right? And so what Philip did, because I, I am just who I am, I started writing down 
the different favorite hymns of Tim Carpenter. Like, this is my number one favorite hymn. This is my number one favorite hymn. And so one day in staff meeting, I read to Tim Carpenter 25 favorite hymns of his. That was number one, right? Yeah, so, so kind of funny. So today we are talking about a number one rule. And so what I want you to do is I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You ever know anybody like that that has, this is my number one, this is my favorite, and then the next time it's a different favorite? Yeah. I do it sometimes and don't realize it. I'm doing it, but nonetheless, Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verse 12 to start off with. Now, if you are not familiar with the Bible, this is a statement that you would be very familiar with. Um, It's something that the culture says from time to time, and so you'd be very familiar with this particular verse of Scripture. And so, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, this, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is commonly known as the golden rule. It was actually first called that in the 18th century. So before then, it wasn't called that. It was just a verse of scripture in the Bible, but they started calling it the golden rule. And we have kind of kept that tradition even now today. We call this the golden rule. And so Jesus says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. What he's saying is that verse sums up the law, what the law is about and what the prophets are trying to get us to do. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. So it's the number one thing that the Old Testament is about. It sums it all up. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And so I was looking at this as I was preparing this sermon, and what caught me just right off guard, right up front, not off guard, I wasn't off guard, right up front what caught me was whatever you wish that others would do to you. So I just stopped there a moment and I thought, well, what would I want other people to do for me? Like, what would would that be? And so I went on a journey for the past year and I started just listening to people and and watching stuff online that's posted on Facebook and and just kind of came with a, a list of things that people wish that other people would do for them, okay? So here's a couple of them. First, I wish people would be more unapologetic with me. That's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of times we start uh, to talk to people and we say, "Um, I I hope this doesn't offend you. And then you say something. Or you you say something and you're kind of apologetic. I'm sorry that I have to say this, but I I want to say this. And so there were more than one Per people, one person, there was more than one person that actually said, I wish people would be more apologetic with me. And they would, they would do it like this. They would say, I just wish people would quit apologizing before they told me something. So that, that's the sense in which. So people, this, this person wishes that people would be more unapologetic. And I think that's a lesson for us, by the way, right there. Here's another one. I wish people would understand me. Wow, have you ever felt that way? Are you married? (laughs) Yeah, 
I wish people would understand me. And if I had an autobiography written about myself, that would be the main chapter. I just wish sometimes people would just understand what I'm trying to do, what I'm trying to accomplish, and, and just understand it. And I know that you've been there too. You've done things that people thought you were crazy pursuing, right? People thought you were out of your mind and, and you just wish people would understand you. I just wish people would understand how I feel, what I'm thinking, why I'm doing what I'm doing because they don't understand me at all. In fact, I have people in my life that think they understand me, that don't understand me, that I wish they would realize they don't really understand me so that they could understand me. Right? Yeah. I wish that that would happen. Did everybody get that? Did you understand? Oh, just where we're at all. All right, next. <clears throat> I wish people would talk to me. Wow. I wish people would talk to me. Now, all of the extroverts in the room are like, I've never thought that in my entire life. I would rather people just not talk to me at all and just kind of leave me alone type of deal. But this person, I wish people would talk to me. They really want a relationship with people. They really want people to come up to them and talk to them. They really want them to be acknowledged that they are there. So I wish people would talk to me. Here's the next one. I wish people would ask me how I am and really listen to the answer. That's something. I just wish they would want to listen to what I have to say when they ask me. But most of the time, what we do in life is we go, how, how is your week? Fine. We really don't want the person to start telling us about it. Because then we're stuck. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, we're stuck. Okay, yeah. So I wish people would ask me how I am and really listen to the answer. That's pretty insightful. Here's the next one. I wish people would compliment me. Have you ever felt that way? I just wish for one day, just one day, for somebody just to give me a compliment and not, you know, what I've done wrong. I just wish I, I would be encouraged one day by people. So I wish people would compliment me. Here's the next one. I wish people would own up to what they have done wrong. You know, I've got all these people around me and they've done stuff wrong against me and they just will not acknowledge that they have done something wrong. In fact, what they do is they blame other people or they blame their situation. And I just for once that someone would have the integrity to just say, I blew it, I caused you pain, I'm sorry, I've done wrong, let's fix this. I wish people would own up to what they have done wrong. Here's another one. I wish people would treat me like a person when I do something stupid. <laughs> this one, and, and the teenager has no idea who this is, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but this one comes from one of our own youth because I listen to what happens on this property. So if I'm in a room, I may be listening to your conversation and you don't even know it. I'm not big brother but I'm close. <clears throat> and what you say on this property might wind up in a sermon, okay? 
but I'm not going to give the name. I wouldn't give anybody the name of who this is. But, but this touched me, that this, this teenager, one Wednesday night, said this. I wish people would treat me like a person when I do something stupid. Look, we need to start treating our youth like they're people. And you don't, might not need to start that way. You might already do it. But this individual doesn't think when they do something stupid, they're, they're just treated wrong and badly and treated as if they're not a person and if they're the dumbest person in the entire world. I think we need to be careful. When a teenager does something stupid, that we acknowledge that it was a stupid thing that they just done, but we treat them as a person. Look, that was stupid, but I still love you and you're still valuable and make sure that they know that when they leave. We were all teenagers at one point and did stupid things. Yes, guys, I'm not making fun of us at all, but it's a miracle we've made it this far. When I was a teenager in high school, there were some stupid things that I did that it's amazing that I'm still here today because I didn't think about the consequence before I jumped into it. And there isn't a guy in this room that hasn't jumped into something and thought, oh, and realized the consequences way later, right? And it's amazing that we didn't kill ourselves. Like for instance, I used, not, I'm not recommending this at all, but I used to race cars and race them on the wrong side of the road around curves and made it to 51 years old. But that was stupid, absolutely stupid. We have all done stupid things. And so when you do something stupid or when a kid does something stupid, don't treat them like they're stupid. They're just a kid. They're just a teenager. We've all done stupid things. Treat them like a person. Acknowledge that it was stupid but don't make them feel stupid. Are you with me on that? All right, next. <clears throat> I wish people would pray for me when I'm going through a difficult time. It would be nice to hear what they would pray. Wow. A lot of times on Facebook, we're like, I'm going through this problem and we have a bunch of comments that say, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Have you ever thought that maybe you should call that person and pray for them on the phone? Have you ever thought for a moment that maybe you should go over and see them or pull them aside at church and say, I saw your post on Facebook. I told you I was praying for you and I just wanna take just a few moments right now to pray for you in this moment. I don't think we realize how powerful that would be for someone that's going through a struggle. You go over to their home, you call them on the phone, you go to the hospital, you meet them where they are, and you actually bow your head and you actually say words concerning their particular situation and you ask God to come in and help with that particular situation. The encouragement that would come as a result of that prayer would be phenomenal. So I wish people would pray for me when I'm going through a difficult time. It would be nice to hear what they would pray. Here's the next one. I wish people would Quit being so hard on me, okay? Here's the next one. I wish people were nicer, kinder, and more loving. Here's the next one. I wish people would take a stand for what is right. 
This comes from an individual that, is, that feels like they're standing alone and everybody else isn't standing with them. And they know other people believe that what he's doing is right, but nobody seems to want to stand with him in what is right. I wish people would take a stand for what is right. And for this country to change, there's going to be, there's going to, I almost said this incorrectly. There needs to be more Christians standing for what the word of God says than there are currently. And I wish people would take her stand for what is right. I wish people would do that for me. Here's the next one. <clears throat> what would you want people to do for you? So let's just take a moment. I want you to think through that question. What would you want people to do for you? Just take a minute. What would you want people to do for you? Most of us in this room at this point has something, right? <clears throat> I'll admit there's probably a couple of people that just don't know. I don't know what I would want people to do for me. There would be people in this room like that. But the majority of the people in this room already has something in their mind of what they would like someone else to do for them. And they wish that that would happen. They wish that that would happen. So God says, whatever you wish <clears throat> that others would do to you, do also to them for this is the law and the prophets. See, you and, you and I live in a self-centered society. The reason that we live in a self-centered society is because we're human and we often focus on ourselves and our own needs and self-care. And I'm not against self-care, so don't read me wrong, but I am against it when all you do is self-care and you don't care for other people. It just becomes all about you. This verse says you should not live for yourself. You take care of yourself. You make sure that your needs are met. Absolutely. But your main goal in life, your number one goal in life is to help other people with what they need. It's to, it's to be nice to them. It's to be uh, good to them. It is to show goodness to other people. Others is, should be our focus more than ourself. We can't ignore self. Because I think sometimes people do that. They, they do all this good and they ignore their own self. But we live in a self kind of centered society. And Jesus is saying, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. He wants us to live in that particular way. He wants us to live in that environment. So whatever it is that you just thought, instead of expecting it from other people, maybe that is something that you should do for someone else. How can I do this thing for someone else that I'm thinking right here? How can I live my life in such a way that I am serving them, not expecting them to do this in return? Um, at this point, I want us to go to verse 7 of this passage of Scripture. And this is what it says. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Now, of course, this is about prayer. And this is about us asking God anything and he will answer our prayer and give us that particular thing. 
the way we, some people often take this particular passage of scripture is it's anything that you want. Like God's a genie and you can rub it, but that's not what this passage is talking about. This passage is talking about when you have a need and you get on your knees because of that need and you ask God to supply that need, he will supply that need. It's not asking God anything you want and you get it. God is not Amazon, right? He's not, you can go and select and then it comes. He's not that. And um, yeah, so he's not that. So God... God is not somebody that you can just ask anything. He does it. He responds to your needs. And I think God knows the difference between your needs, your wants, and your wishes. And he answers accordingly. Right? So if it's a need, this passage of Scripture says, of course, God is going to give you something. If you need food, God is going to make sure that you have food. He's going to orchestrate that to where you have food. He's going to meet that need. But if it's a want or a wish, he doesn't always give you your wishes. And he doesn't always give you your wants. And at this point in my life, I am very thankful that he hasn't given me all of my wants. And he hasn't given me all of my wishes. Right? Because sometimes what you wish for is bad for you. Like, I wish God would give me the lottery numbers. I wish he would just do that. I dream a lot, like he could do it in a dream. I remember those dreams. I mean, I have ways God could give me these numbers. I, I do. Maybe I could throw dice and he could just tell me what they are. If he'd just tell me what to do, I would grab a hold of those lottery numbers and I would play those lottery numbers and win the lottery. And what could I do good in the world for $180 million? Well, I would take $1 million and do good and probably use the other $179 million for myself. That is why he hasn't given me the lottery numbers. Because the money would ruin me. And it would ruin some of you in here as well. right? As good as that would be, that's a wish. So God says, no, I'm not going to give you the lottery numbers. Wants, a little, little different there. You know, I, I want this to happen in people's lives. I want this to occur. I want this. Sometimes God says yes to those. Sometimes he says no. But when he says no, he's doing what is best for me. You see, this, this passage of scripture, asking it will be given to you, seeking you will find. He's going to give you what you need, and he's going to answer the wants and the wishes that are good for you. God is not going to answer a prayer for you that is bad for your life. He's not going to give you something that you don't need. He's not going to, he's not up in heaven just waiting for the moment where he can give you something that would destroy your life. God isn't like that. And in this passage of scripture, it's very clear. It says uh, in verse uh, 11, if you then who are evil, that's us because we're the heathens, know how to give good gifts to your children who are also heathens, how much more will your father who isn't a heathen, who is good, holy, righteous, and just, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask of him. And God has always answered your prayer in your best interest. 
He has never done something that would cause you to fail. He has never sent something your way that would cause you not to, not to achieve in life. God always answers your prayer according to what is best for you in your situation. Even when we mess up, and we've messed up our life, God still answers out of the goodness of his heart to make whatever we've messed up better. God is always good to you. And so there's a two-letter word that begins verse 12. That begins the golden rule. It's so. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So, yeah, ask, seek, and knock, and God will give you what you need. He will do what's best for you because he's a good God, because evil people do good for their children. So God's going to do good for you. He's going to do good for you. Yeah. So treat others as you would want to be treated because God treats you as he would want to be treated. I know that's a step back, right? So what, what does that mean? God's treating us like he would want to be treated? Yeah, God's treating you like he would want to be treated. So you treat others the way that you want to be treated. Isn't that great? Yeah. So God's good. He treats you well. And we should treat other people good as well. And that's all people. So with that in mind, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. So turn to your neighbor and say, you look good today. I'm saying that because I would want someone to say that of me. Good. Verse 27 of Luke chapter 6 says these words. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, Offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm supposed to do good to my enemies? Yes. Because you would want good to be done to you. So I do good to my enemies, even though they will never do good in my direction. Have they ever done anything good for me? Not that I can think of. But Jesus says that you're supposed to do good to them because you would want good to be done toward you. So what in the world does this mean? Well, let me start with this. 
Jesus has never said to make your enemies your friends. You can't find that in the Bible. In fact, when you do good to your enemies, guess what they still are after you do good to them? Your enemies. They don't change. Some people follow this golden rule thing and they think if I'm good to others, then they will be good to me and everything will be smooth and flow really smooth and everything will be great, right? They're doing good to me. I'm doing good to them. I'll reap what I sow and everything will be right. Jesus never says that. Jesus never says that if you're good to other people, that your life will be smooth and they will always do good to you. That is not the case. He just tells you to do good to other people, even your enemies. And he's so honest with you that he's gonna tell you that even when you do good to your enemies, you will still have enemies. So how does this work? Like, am I supposed to do good in such a way that I have an enemy and I just invite them into my house and I, and I feed them and we have a good time and we play Catan? You might not know what that game is. Thank you. Thank you. Got, got a believer over here. Catan is a great game. Look it up on Amazon. They'll send you anything you want for the right price. So you, you, you have it. No, that's not it. God is about boundaries. And when he says enemies, that means that there's boundaries because God in scripture tells you not to be around toxic people. He tells you to set up boundaries so toxic people will not be in your life. He tells you to do that. And God actually sets up boundaries with humankind. He does. There are people that are in God's family and there are people that are not in God's family. And there is a boundary. And it's a vast boundary. And they cannot do anything to jump across and cause the boundaries to come down. They can't do anything. There is boundaries. God has set up boundaries. And God is good to people that are good. And he's good to people that are evil, that are not his children. It's biblical. When people are born and they're heathens, which all of us are, God is so good that he allows them to have life. He allows them to have life. He allows them to have a place to stay. He, he feeds them. And if we think for a moment that our work feeds us and puts food on the table, our work alone, we are really mistaken. God blesses the work that we do and he gives us our work and the food on our table. Everything is a gift from God. He allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, on the evil and the good. God blesses everybody. He is good to everybody, but he has a boundary. If you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're in his family. If you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not in his family, even though he's doing good towards you. Even though you are rejecting him by not receiving Jesus Christ as your savior, he is still doing good to you because he wants you to accept Jesus as your savior and live in heaven with him. God is good to you. He is good to his friends, to his children, and he's good to his enemies. And he requires us to do the same thing. I am good to my enemies because when I was an enemy of God, God was good to me. Come on, church. 
I don't have to invite my, my enemies to my house. I do not have to make them a part of my family because God didn't make his enemies a part of his family until they received the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. So I don't have to do that either. What I have to do is just be good to them. And if my enemy is in need, I will help him with that need, but I am not required to help him with his want or his wishes or be his friend or follow him around or be buddy, buddy with them. I am not required to do that but I am required to be good to them. So, at Walmart, just in case you put ass on it, at Walmart, when your enemy, that toxic individual that's in your life, comes walking down the aisle, and you need what is on that aisle, has this ever happened? Because this is some sort of law that isn't in the Bible. That person is walking down. Maybe the good thing that you can do is go get something else and avoid them. Because you know that if you walk down the aisle, your mouth is going to run and it's not going to be good. It is not giving somebody the cold shoulder. It's allowing them to continue to have a good day, even though you don't think they deserve it, Let them continue to have a good day and then you can continue to have a good day as you go get the milk and go back for the bread. Right? Another reason that you might not want to walk down the aisle is this. You know that your heart's right, you're forgiven, you're good. They're your enemy, you've put up boundaries. But you know if you go down the aisle and that person is coming this way, that they are going to be toxic toward you. Right? And so maybe that's a moment where number one, you don't wanna put up with that because you don't want them to ruin your day. And two, I I don't know if you're like me or not, but there are times I have a short fuse and sometimes I have a long fuse. And I'm not gonna test that with an enemy. Oh, I know you have a short fuse sometimes in a long, don't look at me like that, right? You have it, so you, you avoid them. There, this is not saying to be good to this person, you have to walk down the aisle and go, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, you don't have to do that. Sometimes the good thing is to just avoid the person and move on. Now, if I go into the parking lot, and they have a flat tire, I'm going to offer to help. I'm not going to have much of a conversation, but I'm going to help them get that tire onto their car. That's what I'm going to do. And then, you know what you, I'm going to do? I'm going to say, see you later, and I hope it's not too soon. <laughs> and that is appropriate. It's not that you don't love them, But sometimes in life, we have to recognize who is our enemy, put up the boundaries just like God has, but still treat them good and give them what they need. That is the teaching here of Scripture. So yes, we, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Because at the end of the day, I wish I didn't have any, any enemies. Don't you wish that? 
The moment that an enemy would turn to a friend is a moment that I'd be like, yeah, that's great. I wouldn't trust them for a very long period of time. Right? But I'm glad that they're no longer attacking me so we can have a relationship. Yeah, sometimes doing good is just providing needs and then just not being around doing good. So yeah, be good to people. Be good to people. So let's circle back around to what we started with. And let's view this as us doing things for other people, what we started with. So here we are. I wish people would be more unapologetic with me. Maybe you and I just need to start being unapologetic. We should love when we say something. We should care when we say something. But when something needs to be said, something needs to be said. And we say it to the person. We don't apologize. Listen, let's just make a commitment this morning to quit apologizing for the truth. I'm sorry, but the Bible says, no, I am not sorry that the Bible says. I'm glad that the Bible says, and I'm going to tell you that with love and kindness, but I'm going to let you know it, right? So not apologetic. Here's the next one. I wish people would understand me. I think it's time for us to start trying to understand where other people are coming from, how they are viewing things rather than how we view things. There's a lot of judgments that we make that's just based on our own experience and we have no clue what that other person has experienced to get them to that point. And so you try to understand people. When people come and they're broken because of something, you try to understand why they're broken, the attachment, what they're going through and try to identify with it rather than just pushing them away. People want you to understand them. You want people to understand you. So take the step to understand others. Here's another one. I wish people would talk to me. Try talking to people. If you want people to talk to you, try talking to people. Just walk up to them and just start a conversation. Look, I get it. I am not really good one-on-one unless I know you. I'm just not. I'm very awkward. In fact, I feel like sometimes I'm awkward when I know you. Do you feel that? Do you feel that way? Like, I'm, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that honesty there. <laughs> appreciate that. That helps me just a lot. Yeah, and sometimes I feel awkward when I'm even, like, talking, but... I talk to people because I like people. I may not know what to say. I may be kind of, oh, oh, okay. You know, that sort of thing, trying to understand what they're saying or, or trying to connect in some way. But, but you go out. If you want people to talk to you, you need to talk to them. And don't expect people to come up to you. There's a lot of people that visit churches that are like, man, that church was just unfriendly. Well, did you talk to anybody? I've been in that church for a year and nobody has come up to talk to me. Well, have you gone up to talk to somebody else? No. Then quit expecting people to come to your pew and your chair. You get up and walk over across the room and shake somebody's hand and see how they're doing. Introduce yourself. 
right? Yeah. I wish people to talk to me. Well, then you need to talk to people. Here's the next one. I wish people would ask me how I am and really listen to the answer. Um, you need to do that too. And quit asking the people that you don't want to hear the answer how their week was. Just say hi. Hi. Glad you're here today. Glad you're here today. Yeah. Because you know that if they start sharing, number one, you didn't really want to hear it. And number two, now you're stuck. Now you're stuck. You have to listen to what they're having to say. You have to kind of identify. You have to do all of that. Or you just kind of, kind of, just kind of, you know, they're hearing you do the, you ever do that? Like you're hoping that they'll stay there and not follow you, but that they do, you know, because they're really wanting somebody to care about their week and you just asked. And so if you are going to ask that question, you need to care about that person enough to sit there and listen to what they say. Just don't do it to people you don't want to talk to. As harsh as that sounds, that's a reality. And to be honest, because I wasn't honest the entire sermon up until now, (laughs) you do not have time to listen to everybody's week in detail. You don't. Just choose a couple of people that you just want to see how their week was and then let them tell you. Yeah, listen to their answer. By the way, this is great marriage advice. I'm not going to tell you which one, but one of the two sexes have a lot of words to say, and the other doesn't. I'm not going to tell you which, but it is male or female, one of the two. But if you ask your wife how her day was, be ready, sit down, listen, identify. Okay, here's the next one. I wish people would compliment me. Maybe what you need to do is compliment other people. Now, there's some people in the room that's like, I don't know what I could say that would be a compliment. Well, that is a problem because chances are you know what to say when you complain. You're that creative. So maybe just take a moment and say, oh, your hair looks nice. Or it's nice to see you today. Or I really enjoyed such and such. Compliment people. I think Christians need to be more encouraging to each other. Is what I think. Yeah. Next. I wish people would own up to what they have done wrong. Maybe this is a moment where you need to own up to what you've done wrong and quit blaming other people and shifting to this is the reason why and giving excuses. Maybe this is the moment where you just need to say, I've done this thing wrong. I'm sorry that I did it. Let's fix it. And quit trying to look good when you know the problem is just there. Admit it. Just say, I know that was wrong and I'm sorry I did it. I know there's consequences. Let's fix it. That would improve a ton of relationships. And people want that. Here's the next one. I wish people would treat me like a person when I do something stupid. Yep. I wish that. Start treating... We need to treat people as people. Everybody is valuable, even when they do something stupid. Everybody is valuable. And then this is the last one. I'm not going to cover them all. 
I wish people would pray for me when I'm going through a difficult time. It would be nice to hear what they would pray. Um, and I said this before at the beginning of the message, kind of gave, gave away the end of this. But ladies and gentlemen, when we say we're going to pray for somebody, let's take one extra step and call them on the phone and pray for them. Now, I know some of you in the room are scared to death to pray out loud with anybody. I, I get it. I get that. It took me a while to overcome that particular fear. But really, all people need is, is a couple sentence prayer. Lord, be with Bob. Um, he's struggling with the sickness. And just pray that you'll heal him and be done. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be elaborate. In fact, I think some of the most meaningful prayers are just the ones that are in everyday language. Lord, I love Bob and I want him to get better. Please touch his body and heal him. Right, Bob? And it means something when it's in everyday language and people really take that to heart. And that is more encouraging than commenting on Facebook that you're praying for that person. It's just more encouraging. To hear that prayer brings a lot of encouragement. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this rule that you gave us. And I pray that in this moment, you'll convict us of where we have been selfish and self-focused. Forgive us of that. Help us to see other people as you see them. Help us get beyond ourselves and notice how other people are acting, what other people are doing, and be concerned for them. Help us to understand them, talk to them, listen to them, approach them, and then treat them with kindness and goodness. So we leave this request in your hands and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing. This closing hymn, the altar is open for you this morning. I'm here to pray for you as well as we sing the words to this song.